to have crisis. It doesn't look, um, they don't gel. Amen. But then, if it is strange, it will be a strange thing to conceive crisis in the holy family of God. I think the second thing that we'll think about is why crisis then? The reason why we have crisis in the family of God is because the family of God is it constitutes human beings. Are we together now? And let me say that maybe if I say human beings, I may not be too too uh, accurate, but partially accurate. I will say that the institution of God contains created beings. I think that is the better way to put it. It contains created beings. And because the beings that constitute the, the institution of God are created, so they are less than God. And if you look at the book of Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, chapter, is a common scripture. Isaiah chapter 12. No, Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12. Sorry. Isaiah chapter 14 verse 12 gives us a story which we can say it is the origin of conflict. Since God created all beings in heaven, there was perfect harmony. And it says in verse 12, How have you fallen from heaven? O morning star, O Lucifer, son of the dawn, you have been cast down to the earth. You who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above all the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly, on the uttermost height of the sacred mountain, I will ascend above the tops of the cloud, and I will make myself like the most high. But you are brought down to the graves, to the depths of the pits. Now, for me to go ahead, I want to say to you that there are two aspects to conflict in you know, every institution. One is this. This is a conflict that happened in the most perfect governance. God established the heavens and he is perfect in his structure and governance. 
Now, this is one of the the um, information that helps us know both for the church and for secular world that good governance, which comprises structure and good policies, is not a perfect um, prevention for crisis. Though it is a great remedy for a lot of crises. The first set of crises here is a crisis that emanated from the mind of a creature. God created all the angels. God assigned everybody his own job. Alright? And everybody was doing their work happy. But suddenly, one of the archangels who is a leader appointed by God to be a leader under God is not the only leader there are other leaders because you have many archangels and these archangels can be like the immediate pastors to the visioner if it is applicable to local church it will be the resident pastor and associates who may be deacons or deaconesses or pastors and stuff like that now you will see something that happened here that this uh, conflict began from the imagination of a being from what was written about satan you will recognize that there are two things that is glaring here the first thing is that he was envious of his authority that is the thing that really began it what is god doing that i cannot do who is god by the way i control power and authority he also controls power and authority he lost the consciousness that god gave him that authority that is the authority was delegated by a superior one and he felt well if that be the case that's number one number two i'm not equal to the rest leaders we are not equal I am more superior. If you look at what informed that um, thought, is Ezekiel 28, where the Bible described him from verse 12 to how Lucifer was created. And the Bible says that you were a model of perfection. So we recognize the fact, and he said that, you know, mention all the stones that were used to create him, and said you were in the garden of the Lord until you know pride entered into you okay so we recognize that what entered the head of lucifer was the authority that was given to him he just felt that it was more uh, privileged than any other angel he is the one who stands before the god before god you know which many angels don't have the assignment to do that he is the one who commands worship all right he 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 speaks directly to God and receives instruction directly to God. There are angels that God don't speak to. God will speak to the, the leader who will instruct down line. But for Lucifer, it's not so. There are some angels who never go to the presence of God. You know, they cannot by order. But Lucifer is one of the angels who will report directly to God and carry information for execution. But what is strange about him that other angels don't have no other angel created by god was created 
to be perfect. Lucifer was the only being that the Bible says God made him as a model to display how perfect God can create. And you can look at all the beautiful things on earth and look at when God says that, look, this I have created him to display my perfect power. So it's not only beauty God gave him. God gave him power and strength that looks like it's without measure. God programmed him that part of God he put into him that he can act on behalf of God and it will be exactly what God wants to do. So he was given enormous power and he was given enormous beauty and strength and he was created very different to anybody, no like him in creation. And that is what entered into his head. Till today, that happened in God's church. I'm very sure that when God created Lucifer, he was just with other angels. He never recognized what he was. Until God assigned him to head this fleet of angels. Until God pronounced about him that look all of you this one i have assigned him i have created him different to all of you can't you see him his mountains are gold when you do your hand like this the the within your bones okay all the lines within your bones that's your mountain your knees your joints lucifer's own was gold when it sounds like this Everywhere you see a joint in Lucifer is pure gold. So he was extremely beautiful. His body does not look like other man, other people. His body is made with, with precious stones. So when God announced him and now delegated him as an archangel, I was very appreciative, very obedient, very submissive. And when angels began to answer to him, and God will not usurp authority. When God gives you an instruction and an authority, he will not bypass you. God don't do that. So he commands angels, they answer him. And then one day he said, ah, what is God doing? What is my leader doing that I cannot do? You know? He exercised his authority again and saw that they, 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 the beings will obey him. The angels will obey him. Then he now felt that, I mean, by the way, then, what is God himself that I am not? You will find this when we look into the first crisis in the church of God on earth. Alright? As much as I don't want to talk much about this, because this itself is a lecture I should take you for probably an hour. I wanted to look at the things he said here. He said in his heart. So, the source of every rebellion is the heart of man. Write that down. And is the source of every conflict. Then he began by saying, I, 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 five eyes. That is pride. When a man who is supposed to speak on behalf of God or on behalf of people 
is exalting himself. That is pride. He said, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God, which are angels. The word stars stand for angels. Revelation 12 gives us evidence for that from verse 1 to 6. I'm reading Isaiah 14. Then it says, I will sit enthroned on the mount of assembly. That is the chair of God now. Where God sits down to instruct his elements. On the, mo- on the uttermost height of the sacred mountain. Verse 14, it says, I will ascend above the tops of the clouds. If anybody has confusion about where is God, this is the description of his address. God is beyond all the clouds that you see. I was very glad when they said they just discovered another planet, but it would take us 40 million years to reach there. And I said, my God dwells beyond that. And it won't take me a second when I die to land before him. <laughs> you know? Beyond the clouds. Then it says, I will make myself like the most high God. So we understand that the, 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 uh, the, the intention of every rebellious heart is to take over the power, the control of his boss. That is in church, is in God business. To take over that control. It is satisfaction on where he is. Though he is better placed than others, and then all this pride coming. Now, so this is one aspect of crisis. The second aspect of crisis is crisis in the church that is brought because of the fact that we are just human beings. You will read that if we are able to get through it in the book of Acts chapter 6. It says, and in those days when the disciples began to increase, the Grecian Jews were disputing with the Hellenist Jews concerning the daily sharing of food. You always have that in church. Crisis that emerged because a sect of people in church felt they are marginalized. Those of you who have churches where you have a particular tribe more in number must always recognize that you must sell the members of the church all the time. That this is not a tribal church. So when you are speaking where another member is, two of you and three who have the same tongue, and that member is with, among you, okay, which means he's a participant. Not just his passing, but he is involved in that union. You need to speak in the language that is common to all. Because if you speak in a language that that person does not understand or communicate at all in that language, you are sending a wrong signal of exclusion. And that will make the person feel that what is going on here? There is no transparency. So you must know this, that church is not for your language. Except when you are alone with people, you are alone. But when you are in the company of people, you know, if you have to speak anything in your language, you must interpret it. You don't communicate in that language, you communicate in the language that everybody hears. 
so that everybody can know. So that they will not feel that you are plotting something against them or also you tell, you let your church know that they should not be ganging up. Ganging up can be between tribal affiliation or friendship affiliation. You know, some people are so close together, they must always wear with clothes, go to other people. Alright? And that is conflict that is brought about by, you know, social um, uh, problems and issues. We look at that. So these are the two areas of conflict. Now, having said this, therefore, we know that this conflict in Isaiah chapter 14 led to the first war. Chapter 12 of Revelation. Verse 7 says, And there was war in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and the angels fought back. Now, if you look at verse 1, let me say this, you pastors. What I'm telling you, you must be able to regurgitate it off your mind when, you, when I speak with you. Because when I teach you things and you write it down, I expect to learn it. If I tell you anywhere, stand up. Talk to me about the first battle in heaven. You must not go to any book as a minister under me. So when I'm teaching you, you write it and you memorize it. I would gather Isaiah 14, 12, 14 times 2, 28, Ezekiel 28, verse 12, carry over. Then that 12, Add it to Revelations. And it gives you the rest of the story. So you have Isaiah 14, 12. Ezekiel 28, 12. And then Revelation 12. So the Bible is quite a mystery written by God. Inspired man. But it is very, very mysterious. You must know this. The origin of the battle was Isaiah written by prophet Isaiah, Ezekiel explained the brain behind the origin. And Revelation John now told us about the consequence of it. It led to war. But if we look at that war, that war was fought first by, it was led by Michael, not by God. So pioneers should know this. If God has sent you as a pioneer, you cannot be moved by anybody you assign. You can't. The bragging of a man cannot, cannot move you because you assigned all of them. Your obedience brought everybody. I will together now. And if you, are, if, you do not, if you do not misbehave because there is crisis, you will discover that the people who are the loyals to you who are born of your bone, they will deal with it. They will squash every crisis if you keep quiet. If you don't keep quiet, you will be a victim. And I will show you in the life of uh, Moses now. I will together now. There is no such a thing as insecurity when God calls and sends you. It is not possible. You must always know that I always say to my members, what brought all of you is the obedience of one man. And his name is Alfred Williams. You can't, there's nothing you can do about it because he himself can't control it. He was it because God ordained. It is like you give birth to your children. 
your children cannot do anything about it. And you cannot. Because they just recognize that they lived in your, in your wife's womb and they were born through your semen. Okay? And the children cannot contend that. And there is nothing your child can do that can change you from being the father or the mother who carried him in the womb. Anything that child does, it can't change that. Because that is ordained by God. So is the spiritual. You cannot be threatened of your fatherhood because your children, one of your children said that you are not my father. Or I don't believe that my mother conceived me. He doesn't have to believe. The fact is just that that's the truth. If he wants to believe, he can go and do medical tests to check the gene and he will find out that he's the father. But the father will not go and do tests to prove that he's my son. It's not the father's business. You, if you say, I'm not your father, go do whatever you like. I'm still father. So is the spiritual. Don't be moved. And that goes down line to resident pastor over their parish. Because you sit in the office of father, or if you're a woman, as the father too, though you're a woman. As if you are a woman assigned as a parish pastor. You are not a mother, you are a father. Because the office of a shepherd is the office of fatherhood. It's different from motherhood. I will get it now. So, but the battle was started by a delegated authority, Michael, who saw Lucifer. I'm sure that before Michael fought the battle, he has sat Lucifer down. That was going on in your head here. I'm an archangel. You are an archangel. Give us an archangel. Other archangels are here. Who are you, by the way? Now, don't you know that what you are is the Father that gave you the grace? They must have warned him that you will not succeed. Because if you rebel, if you rebel, you will lose the grace. They will have told him, but he pumped up himself in pride that I don't care what all of you said, which is always the the um, behavior of those who are rebellion. But you know something. Then Michael, then Lucifer started campaigning. Chapter, chapter 12, verse 1 to 6 tells us that. And a, a third of the stars, which are angels, believed in him. You will always have people who will be loyal to rebellion in church. These people are people who are gullible. They are people who don't have common sense. They are in every organization. They are yes men. But to their peril. All right? But that should not move whoever is in charge. Okay? Because those who did not go with rebellion are always more. They are the two-thirds. But if we look at what happened therefore, God was looking, but God was behind the battle. God only wind up what he put in, in uh, Michael. He didn't give him more power. Because Lucifer has seen 
a particular measure of power in Michael, but he thought he knew all that Michael had. But it is only God who put it there that knows all theirs. So God only sees of what he put in him. And Michael, with all the angels, dealt with the devil, and he was kicked out of heaven. Every rebellious person end up in misery. Look at what it says in verse 5. But you are brought, 15, you are brought down to the grave, to the death of the pit. Nobody who lives rebellion ever lives to succeed in life. Now, let me go straight away too. The reason why ministers shouldn't be afraid of crisis or rebellion is because Jesus said in Matthew 16, 18, And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hate or hell will not overcome it or prevail against it. Okay? Jesus is the one who builds his church. But you see, he builds it through human beings. Because he said, upon you, Peter. You are Peter. Upon this Peter, the rock. Spirits don't run church. Man do. Whoever is the assigned human agent of God over a church determines the invincible being that could have access. I repeat myself. Whoever is the man who God has assigned to lead the people, that man will determine the spiritual being that can have access over the people. The obedience of that person determines the measure of influence spirits can have. I we together now. The development of that man unto the one who sent him determines how developed people in that church could be. So a minister of God can limit or can enhance the development of those who are with him. That's why I said to you all the time, if I'm a pastor, if I'm a member of a church, you know, as I am, so I will, I can't follow a blind leader. I cannot. Even when I was young in CAC, I don't go to pastors who preach. I go to pastors who can see. So what do your preaching do to me? You can't see. What are you going to tell me? I'm not encouraged by you. But if you can preach the word and you can see, you can pray and hear God and tell me what God is saying me to do, I will follow you. You can't do that. You can't pastor me. You cannot. And at that time, my knowledge of the word is very, very little. Do you need a gift for all those things? Then if you do need it, get it then. If anybody shepherd God's people, you have to sort yourself out with God first. So that you will not lead people who have sight when you are blind. That will give you conflict. Are you with me now? I have taught you this week, and of course other times, the way you turn to God determines how God will turn to you. 
why we, we may we not be um, conductors? You know, in Nigeria, I think so, in all African countries, they have some people at the garage. Even in England, they sell tickets, but they never travel. But in Africa, they don't sell tickets. They'll be saying to you that uh, Manchester, 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 one of the vehicles, some of them will sit in the car to make you feel that the car has passenger. When you enter and the Christ will, they will get down. They don't go anywhere, but they help people who are going to go. May that not be your portion. Yeah. I would get that. For that not to happen, you see, we, this conference, we have to really talk belly to belly. We cannot continue to speak on behalf of the God we cannot see or we cannot experience. To see Him, to experience Him, to go deeper in Him comes by your seriousness of seeking His face. We have not taken Him serious enough. So we have not seen His true form. He is waiting for us. We are not waiting for Him. I would get now. So therefore, if you look at the first rebellion in the church of God, Exodus 32, it says, verse 1, when the people saw, this was when Moses had been leading the disciples, the Israelites, and they got to the place where Moses had to go higher in God, and because of that, God told Moses, meet me at the mountain. That's the story before this. Now, when he made, went to God, he thought he was going to be there just for one day or two or three days. But second day, third day, fourth day, seven days, ten days, twenty days, Joshua didn't come down to inform anybody. Neither did, G, did, did Moses talk to anybody. That is similar to when a founder of a church or a pioneer had a vision from the Lord and God says, I'm going to do this for you. Year after year, you are still waiting. Some people get tired and weary. And they begin to say this kind of stuff that, I mean, what are we doing here? And that's what happened. So, the Bible says, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, this is less than 40 days old, they just left the home, I'm going to meet God on that mountain. They saw him walk to the mountain. They saw fire blasted on the mountain. God descended on the mountain. The Bible says so. And they knew that that man was talking to God. But then there was calmness. After all the fire and the rocking of the stuff, that was a calmness. That was a calmness because God was discussing with Moses. And it took days. God will lecture him this day. And then the following day will continue. Then the following day will continue. This is, that is where the basis of all law LLB, if you do LLB, everything you do LLB, this is where I came from. Moses. God told him all those things. Law of social justice, law of marriage, criminal law, admin law, tort is there, commercial contracts is there, land law and equity, even that is very prominent there. Some of the principles that Moses said are still using till today. Thou shalt not move an ancient boundary. I am the Lord. All right. All the trust deed is there. You know, every law you did is there. So God took a long time talking to him. 
But the people now said, when the people saw that Moses was so long in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron, who is the one he appointed to oversee for him, and said, Come, make us gods who will go before us as for this fellow. That's their spiritual father. He has become their party. Moses, who brought us up out of Egypt, they even, it's good to recognize that he's the one who brought them out. Because some people will be saying that it is God who did it for me, whereas it's the minister God used. And you see people say that God cut them off. Because God's principle is believing God and believing His prophet. If you dissociate His prophet in your belief from the God, that God cuts you off. God will say, okay, I will show Him. Let Him do it by Himself. Can you understand? And you see people like that miserable eventually. He said, come, make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Aaron answered them, take off your gold earrings. That your wives, your sons, and your daughters are wearing which was the blessing God gave them from Egypt. And bring them to me. Watch this. So all the people took off their earrings and brought them to Aaron. He took what they, had, they handed him and made it into an idol, cast in shape of calf, fashioning it with a tool. Then they said, these are your gods. O Israel, who brought you up out of Egypt. There's something I want us to know very, very much here. Alright? One of the things I wanted to get here is this. Satan always uses the same method that he used in heaven and he fell. Okay? If you look at this, it seems as if the rebellion started from the people. No. It didn't start from the people. Do you know why it didn't start from the people? Look at the book of Numbers chapter 12. Rebellion didn't start from the people. Because the Bible tells us, reference to us, that rebellion starts from the heart, isn't it? Lucifer said in his heart. Numbers chapter 12. It says in verse 1, Miriam and Aaron began to talk against Moses because of his Cushite wife. For he had married a Cushite. Has the Lord spoken only through Moses? They asked, hasn't he also spoken through us? Watch this. And the Lord had this. It's like somebody who talk against his father who gave birth to him. We know that person is cursed. Same thing with your spiritual oversight. Even worse to your spiritual oversight. You know, the Bible says here, 
They said, is it only Moses God speak to? Now Moses was a very humble man. More humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. At once the Lord said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, said to Moses, Aaron and Miriam, come out of the tent of the meeting, all three of you. So the three of them came out. The Lord, then the Lord came down in a pillar of cloud. He stood at the entrance of the tent and summoned Aaron and Miriam. When both of them stepped forward, he said, Listen to my words. When a prophet of the Lord is among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to him in dreams. But this is not true with my servant Moses. He is faithful in all my house. I want to underline what makes a man favored before God. Where God sends you as a minister. Is your faithfulness in the household. That's what I was telling you all over the week now. You call a prayer meeting, you are sleeping at home. Is that the minister of God? Your members pray more than you. They should lead you. Your members know the Bible more than you. They should teach you. In anything of God, you we must be faithful. To be faithful in all things is to pay real price. When they can eat, you cannot eat. When they can have comfort, you cannot have comfort. When they can sleep, you cannot sleep. Because you are ever alert and ever ready when God needs you. Over the flock. So God said to Miriam and, and, um, and, and, and uh, Aaron, that you, I, it's only dreams you see me. It's only in dreams I reveal to you. So what do you think you are? Because you hear me, does that mean you are equal to the one that I sent to appoint you? Moses appointed Aaron. He appointed Miriam. Though they were a senior in age. Are you with me now? So God said, I will make a decision today. He says, when there's a prophet among you, I reveal myself to him in visions. I speak to them in dreams. That also tells us that anybody who calls himself a prophet, if you cannot see open vision, and God does not speak to you through dreams, you are not a prophet, you are an impostor. This is the definition of a prophet. Okay? Now, he now went to a seer. He says, but this is not true with Moses. He is faithful in all my household. With him I speak face to face, clearly and not in riddles. He sees the form of the Lord. When then, why then, were you not afraid to speak against my servant? Be careful. Be careful. He says the anger of the Lord burned against them, and he left them. When the Lord, the cloud lifted from above the tent... You know, God covered the whole tent, arrested everybody. <laughs> says, there stood Miriam leprous like snow. Why was it Miriam and not Aaron? Miriam was leprous like snow. 
Aaron turned towards her and said, and saw, saw that she was, she had leprosy. And he said to Moses, please, my Lord. Is it now he just recognizing his Lord? <laughs> Do not hold against us the sin we have so foolishly committed. Every rebellion is a foolish act. Do not let her be like a stillborn infant coming from its mother's womb with its flesh half eaten away. That's what she became instantly. So Moses cried out to who? To the Lord. Oh God, please heal her. There is something we need to recognize here. We see the obligation and responsibility of a shepherd. Moses did not curse them. Really, when they were criticizing Moses and they were saying all manners of rumor about Moses, Moses did not address it. That is what a true man of God should be. You know, what makes you, when we put a line against you, what makes you try to tell people they are lying is because of insecurity. Are you with me now? If you are confident of who you are, I remember some years ago in my church we had storms here. And uh, some people were saying all manners of things. And my, my real sons that I raised came to me and said, look, address these things. I said, no. I said, I want to train you. You need to learn. And in the meeting when we called leaders, meeting, I, I would brief leaders on what their rules are. They gave me a report. Somebody would stand up and say that there is a problem in this house and we, you are not talking about it. And I would stand up and I say that, who told you there is a problem? I said, did you hear that from me? Uh, no, sir. I am the head. If I didn't see a problem, it did not exist. You know, my own sons who were with me at the time, they were all sons, of course. But they are with me till today. They learned by hard way. Pastor Adisa, Pastor Sidney, Pastor Tayo, Pastor Jisa. When they would come to me and plead with me that say something, I said, no. The one who appeared to me told me, I will build my church. I mean, people said things that my friend, Pastor Matthew, years after when, we, when he came to visit me, he said, Apostle, what I heard they said about you. Huh? He said to me that, and yet, you call all of them recently, and you bless them, and you fed them. He said, I don't have that grace. Please pray for me. And I did pray for him. Because what I'm doing is not every mortal man that can do it. Some of you, your, your friends who, who disappointed you, you have wished that God should kill him. Okay? And you didn't raise your friend. I would mean now. So what I'm telling you is not very easy for mortal man to do. Are we together now? But I learned that from the Lord. These things I'm teaching you. I never uttered the word. If I would have uttered the word, I would have contravened God 
which means God cannot entrust me with higher level of secrets of nations, of peoples, of the kingdom. I failed. So whenever I read this thing about Moses, I always remember that I say, God, I just thank you for helping me to even know this. Because many don't know it. It was so hot, tensioned, that I wasn't tensioned. Because I was the one the Lord appeared to, not us. <laughs> I was together now. Now, let me say this to you. And I will say this. A lady who is very close to mommy. She is like a junior sister to her, but they walked together in the airline. When we came to England, she was homeless. We brought her into her home. Because she's uh, like a blood sister. She had everything we had with her. Prayed for her. Raised her. Got married. Supported. Both handed. And the husband and the family. She came to mommy one day in this heat and said, And you too. And you too. Mommy said, Am I too what? He said, What are you saying? He said, All this problem you are causing in this church. Mommy said, May God forgive you. May God forgive you. So, so she wanted us to say something. And we refused to defend ourselves. So, the lies that were told to people, some people believed that lie. When my own people came to me and said that, Apostle, these people will believe what they are told. I said that they don't belong to me then if they do. You don't, you don't know me by what someone told you. Your, 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 your um, uh, testimony of me should be what I did direct to you. If I would believe... If I, will, if I will deal with you by what people said about you, then I'm stupid. It's like you are dealing with your wife by somebody outside telling you information. How can you know my wife more than me? What she's not to me, she's not. And to my members or to my friends, my friends are not my friends because of somebody's recommendation. I chose you as my friend. Nobody can tell me who you are. I know who you are. If I don't know who you are, you won't be my friend. I don't just have friends because there should be a company of ganging up or somewhere. And I told them, I told those with me, you watch what God is doing. You are learning by experience. I mean, the, there was a time that uh, when I was in Oliver 2, they were talking all manners of things about me. And, you know, I remember Pastor Emmanuel and uh, Pastor Sidney, they came to me and they were crying. They said, in the night, would you tell them? I said, no, don't tell them. Because if I announce in the night, everybody will leave that church. The day I had to leave Olivet, that is when I said, tonight is my last night with you. <laughs> no, it cannot be. I said, all of you remain here. Don't go anywhere, but I'm going. When they will tell me that if God sent you, what are you doing here? Why don't you go back to your country and come back and we still know that God sent you? And I will go and conduct the service of the church. The power of God will move. I never told anybody. All right? And when I left Olivet after a few months, one of the ringleader of the rebellion wrote me and said she had a dream and she saw a candlelight in the midst of the church. And a hand came and took the candlelight away. 
And she said, Lord, what is this? And the Lord said, that is Alfred. He said, the day you sent Alfred out of this church, I have left this church. That is the candlelight I have been taking away. She wrote to me and said, please forgive me. A white lady. You know, she can't lie. So what am I saying to you is that you must have understanding of divine things. Don't be moved in your office by anybody's rebellion or anybody's opposition. Your, the approval of man is, what, is not what puts you there. So the disapproval, that's why I will not please man to offend God. Whoever man you are, you can leave me forever and will depart for life. Rather than me to please you at the excellence of my God, it will, my dead body will not do that. So the rebellion, therefore, of, um, of uh, Aaron was from here. He wanted to be like Moses. He had contention with Moses. Okay? So if you look at that, the first evidence is verse 2. It says, Has the Lord spoken only to Moses through Moses? Hasn't it also spoken through us? So when you begin to compare yourself with your leader, something is wrong. Even if you can raise all the dead bodies in the crematorium and they call you apostle, and the one who was your father is a pastor, it doesn't make you, the word apostle doesn't mean senior. It's just a gift that babies who can be apostles and they can cast the monsters are operating in the power. Apostleship is not because you are matured in God. It's just a gift, a, a grace. But I'm saying this because some people are crazy to be, called, to be titled apostle or bishop. Bishop doesn't make you a senior. It's just, uh, you know, an elder or an oversight in church. So a person can be a teacher and that's what God raised him to be. And give back to a prophet or a man who operates in signs and wonders. You are... You, you see under his, your father. Fatherhood is not by miraculous signs and wonders. It's by God in position. I would get it now. So he said now. And I wrote here. A pioneer can never be compared with a delegated leader. Number three. The Lord punishes every opposition. He says in verse 9, the anger of the Lord born against them. Then number four lesson, a pioneer must not curse any man who opposes him, but earnestly pray for them. Let me read that again. The first lesson is that strive is the main cause of opposition. And that is verse 2. Has the Lord spoken through Moses only? Number two lesson. A pioneer cannot be compared with a delegated authority. Number three, and that is verse six to eight. Number three lesson, the Lord punishes every opposition. Verse nine. And number four, 
Epaunia or a pastor that is resident minister or a spiritual leader, I may call it, Christian spiritual leader now, must not curse anyone who opposes him, but earnestly pray for them. Moses never cursed them. And when God punished them, Moses prayed for mercy. And when people oppose you and the ravager is dealing with them, it's only your prayer that can bring mercy. They can go to anybody under heaven. God will not answer. God will not answer. The person they rebelled against is the only one that can expiate for them. That is God's eternal order. Alright. You need to teach your church a rebellion so that they don't fall a victim of it. So if we look at, go back to this, your golden calf. And we'll finish that. Exodus 32. Now we can understand Exodus 32 better now. When the people came to Aaron. Why Aaron did it. Look at what it says here. When the people saw that Moses was from verse 1. So long in coming down from the mountain. They gathered around Aaron and said, Come, make us gods. Who will go before us? As for this man Moses... Who brought us up out of Egypt? We don't know what has happened to him. If Aaron was a loyal person, he would tell them that we have to wait for him. And let me say this to you. Those of you who, because as I'm speaking now, we have other sons and daughters of mine who are pioneers themselves. And they have ministers under them, churches under them. Let me say this to you. If you are pastoring a church under another man, you cannot build your church on any other template except the template God gave that man. You know what? If you do something else, you can be blessed. Because if you know you have something else, you should go and find your own movement outside. Okay? Because the pioneers are always blessed. And the reason why they are blessed is because they follow a particular pattern. And the pattern they follow is a pattern given by God to them. If anybody will work under them and really succeed like them, you only need to look at what they do closely and replicate it. If you do that, you will succeed without sweat. Without sweat. If you perfectly get yourself into what they do and just follow them, <laughs> you will succeed without sweat. But if you think that, oh, you also have a delegated power, ah, you can introduce this, introduce that, you will fail. You will fail. Because the way God does things is that He only gives templates to those He sends to pioneer. You see, the brain of, of uh, Bill Gates, nobody in Microsoft can have it. Why he has directors who operate in various realms? When he sits down to think, it's innovation. Directors who are even expert, they will think they will get blocked. Because God will not give that grace to anybody who works under him. Until when he will be taken away. 
then God will raise a replica. And I will show this to you that Moses is you. When we finish this, we look at, I think, furthermore, you know, raising a, uh, an army of people. So let me go forward and, and close this one. So if Aaron was faithful, he would not have even done the camp. Who manufactured the idols? Aaron. Who incited him? The people. What caused him? He was a people pleaser. Not God pleaser. Because I want to please people. What happened to people is, is that when they push a man of destiny into that era, they will all leave you alone. And they will scatter and go to their own ways. They don't have any vision. And there are many key people in vision that have been withered off. And then they will begin to go from place to place. They cannot settle because the place God assigned you is that's why it's waiting for you. Are we getting it now? And those people that God used, I mean, the devil used to cause incitement, once they finish incitement, they are, they are wasters. They look for another church where they can go and incite people. That is their destiny. That is their job. They never amount to anything. Are you ready now? So, Mm. Write this down. Ministers, don't use the blessings God has given people to make an idol for them. Do not use the blessings God has given people under you, your members, to make an idol. Because the necklaces and the trinkets that they had, God told Egyptians to give them, to decorate them. He blessed Israel. He said everybody must despoil his own neighbors when in Egypt. So, when they now asked Aaron that we need something physical, Aaron now took those blessings from them and he turned into a curse by giving them an idol from it. Are we together now? A rich man in your church, you must not be going to their houses. Are you with me now? As for me, anybody says to me that he's rich, it's useless to me because I could be richer. Ah, yeah, 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 my head is hot. My head is very hot. There is no organization under heaven I cannot set up and form and run. So when someone tells me that he's a rich or a rich man, it doesn't appeal to me at all. I can be richer than that person if I want to. Okay? So, I will never treat a rich person like, you know, different from a poor man who just comes to sin. I will not give attention to a rich man or a man who is an influence at the expense of the poor man. Really, I will give more commitment to the poor than the rich. I will get it now. Don't allow the gift God has given people, don't turn it to curses for them. There are some ministers, it is the houses of rich they go and pray. No, you must pray in the house of everybody. Don't go to a rich man and then the following week you are going to him and later you will bore him. He will kick you out. He will know you are a thief if you do that. And neither must you just appoint a rich man to an office because he's a rich man or he's a professor or because he's a lawyer or because he's a doctor. No, no, no. You don't appoint people to speak to office because they are intellectual. No. There is a place for the intellectual knowledge to, to, to be used in the church. In administration and all stuff like that. But when it comes to the criterion for the nation, it has nothing to do with intellect. It has to do with ethics, etiquette, sanity, spirituality. 
the pioneering leaders or church great leaders who didn't do what I said, they are going to their graves with hypertension because they have given back to many people all over the whole world who are devils. And they give them sorrow every day of their life. I will go to my grave happy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> are we together now? And you must emulate that too. You know, people who are rich in church, doesn't, they, don't, they don't. Unfortunately, even the people who give most in the church are the people who are poor. They are the one. Oh, yeah, for record. <laughs> Hallelujah. So, the blessings God gave to people, don't turn it to curse for them. That's what Aaron did. Aaron himself has greed. Aaron himself, you know, has contention. He thought that Moses is collecting all the offering. Why not Aaron? Why not Aaron? After all, God speak to Aaron too. Okay? Until God make, him, make the, the, the sister leprous. That was when he learned the lesson. Now, haven't he made God for them? Go straight away to verse 9. Moses, God told Moses there, when he, when he, when he made a God, he made a sacrifice for them in verse 7. Look at verse 7 rather. Verse 6, he made a sacrifice. And then the Lord said in verse 7 to Moses, Go down, because your people whom you brought out of Egypt have become what? Corrupt. They have been quick to turn away. From what I commanded them, and have made themselves an idol, cast in the shape of calf. They have bowed down to it and sacrificed to it, and have said, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you out of Egypt. Everything you think in your heart, everything you say in your mouth, God is recording it. Are we getting what I'm saying now? <laughs> We saw that yesterday. Now, Samuel, God went to Samuel and told Samuel, look at Saul. This is what he has done. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> now, verse 9, he says, I have seen these people, O Lord, said Moses, and they are stiff naked. He said to Moses, and they are stiff naked. Now, leave me alone, so that my anger may burn against them. And that I may destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. God was so angry that I want to kill the whole church. And produce new human beings from the leader. Why? Because he was faithful in everything. Look at 11 says, But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. O Lord, he said, Why should you, your anger burn against your people? Who you brought out of Egypt? With great power and might, a mighty hand. Why should the Egyptians say it was with evil intent that he, that God brought them out to kill them in the mountains and to wipe them out of the face of the earth? A man is giving God counsel. I want to get there. <laughs> I want to get there. God is saying, "I'm going to destroy," and the man is saying, "God." Can I, can I advise you, please? <laughs> and God said, go ahead. <laughs> and he said, I know you are a good God. <laughs> I know you won't do that. What would the enemy say that you have done to your people? So he is even have, as, as, as Moses, is, he, 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 he even feels for God. He, he feels for God so much that God, you must not be put to shame. And this is what you want to do now. <laughs> will people not say shame on your people? He says, turn from your fierce anger. Relent 
and do not bring disaster on your people. This is the job of a shepherd. No matter how much people anger you, you must ask for mercy for them. You must not blank them. A pastor must not see the former member on the road and then you take your eyes away. You must cry out to him. How are you embracing? Even if he's the one who said before the whole church, he's a liar, don't listen to him. You don't mention what he said again because the past I remember no more. I remember I was in the, in the, in the uh, airport and on this day, you know, it's only one of the members who took me there. I think it was um, uh, Dickin Gwadebo. Uh, I didn't have other uh, armor bearers to go with me. So I had to carry my load. And I pushed my load to the um, check, check desk. Then at the check desk, I saw my members, some of the old members, in the other side with um, their mother because she was traveling. And then, when I saw, I, I, you know, I didn't see them initially. So I was in my own place where I was checking in. And suddenly I just, ah, apostle, ah, look at it, come, 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 come. And they came and I hugged them and, oh, they said, I said, what did you come to? They said, mommy is going, she's the one, she has checked in and, you know, she's the one that we escorted. Oh, how are you guys, everything? Oh, they said, it's fine, the one that is prostrating is prostrating, the one that is nailed. Then I carried them up and hugged them. I never asked them, where are you now? Where are you going? Where did you not go? You know, things are fine with you. Good, may the Lord continue to bless you. And they were so happy. So they were the one now emptying my bag from the trolley to the conveyor. And they did all that. And then when, I was, when they finished, one of them now put his hand in his pocket and he gave me some money. And I said, the Lord will increase that which you have done. And I blessed him. You see, many of them who left... It is after they left, they regretted. Okay? And shame and pride is what is hindering them. That's why when I see them, I see welcome them. And if anybody wants to tell me that, oh, please, Apostle, I'm sorry. Sorry for what? You went for training. When you are qualified, come back. <laughs> when you are qualified, come back. I will have you better because you will be able to teach better <laughs> in the area that you have missed it. I told them, as far as I'm concerned, anywhere you go, you are my own child. You are on a loan to other places. <laughs> but I pray for them always when I pray for you, that my God will bless them where they are. I do that always. Because I will not see my child walking on the street miserable. Even if he had left me, he's still my child. I pray for them all the time. It, it, those of them that are in the career, she asked them, what about this career? Okay, what, have you tried this? Have you tried that? I will try that. I said, help them in the career. You understand now? That is what a man of God should be. Anybody who can't do what I'm doing is not a man of God. Then the Lord relented and did not bring on his people the disaster he had threatened. That is a true man of God. Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets, now watch this, of testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, front and back. The tablet were the works of the work of God. The writing was the writing of God engraved in tablet, a memorial for it for life on earth. 
When Joshua heard the noise of the people shouting, he said to Moses, There is sound of war in the camp. That guy is a warrior. <laughs> Anything is war. <laughs> I'm coming, please. There is sound of war in the camp. Then Moses replied, verse 18, It is not the sound of victory. It is not the sound of defeat. It is the sound of singing that I hear. When Moses approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, his anger was the humble man born in anger. <laughs> and he did what? Oh my. Oh my. What you and I will have been using to defeat any religion. And show them, come and see the handwriting of God in Israel. That's how we lost it. Man must not make you shipwreck. The same thing happened in Meribah. Alright? You know why Moses reacted this way? When God was telling Moses what he saw, Moses was begging because Moses hasn't seen <laughs> what he did. <laughs> yeah? If Moses saw the calf before God told him, he would tell God that, take, just let them vanish. <laughs> you know why? Moses is not angry because of the people. He's angry for God. How can you treat God this way? It is a zeal for God, not for the people. He had pleaded for the people. But when he now saw, ah, this is what you did for God. Oh my God, you, these people, all of you dead. His zeal for God is what overtook him. He did not know when he threw God's craft and handwriting. Breaking them into pieces at the foot of the mountain. And he took the calf they had made and burnt it in the fire. Then he ground it to a powder, scattered it on the water, and made the Israelites drink it. This is the man who has God not to punish them. He is punishing them. It is now he knew what God was saying, you know. You know, sometimes when you look at church members, you can feel like this by their behavior. Sometimes you may say, God, why did you bring this one here? You should not have let him know the, the way to the address of this church. <laughs> and, uh, especially if you have appointed the person as a leader. And he was quite calm, you know, obedient. He became a leader. Hard working. He became a leader now. <laughs> He's the one who will always oppose what you say. He will oppose you before he explains. Are you with me now? This is my principle of leadership. And it is my principle of governance in my family. In my church, when I have a vision, and I say, this is what we are doing, I do not permit a man who has the breath in his nose to tell me it's not possible. Because you can't tell me that because you did not have that vision. I permit everybody who will contribute to only say 
how we can achieve it. If I say that this is how we are achieving it, if somebody say, oh, what about if we consider this way, I will accept that. If that way is better than the way I have said, as long as that thing is done. In my home, same way. When I give a direction for my family, nobody is permitted to say we are not going that way. You can only tell me we can achieve this goal better if we took this method. Yes, if the method you are explaining is better than the method I said, we'll go with your method. But we must reach that goal. Because I'm the one who will stand before God as a father to my household. My wife will not stand as the father. And so the Bible says the father should what? Instruct. And the mother should teach. Are we together? Same thing in church. But you see, this is strange enough. This man grinded those things. And he forced them to drink it. He said to Aaron, why did these people do, do what did these people do, do, do to you? That you led them into such great sin. I want to any. <laughs> you know, did they spell you? Did these people spell you? How can you, a man of God, create an idol? Is it not my hand was laid on you? Did I not anoint you with oil? Did you not see the true form of God? What's the problem with you? How can people make you? There are many people today, great leaders, who are dancing to the tune of people and giving the church of God idols at the expense of God in several forms. We've dealt with a good number of that along this week. So, do not be angry. Look at this man. My Lord, Aaron answered. <laughs> you know how prone these people are to evil, not him. They said to me, make us gods, passing his responsibility, who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses, who brought us out of Egypt, we didn't know. We don't know what has happened to him. Okay. If I was Moses, I would have asked him that. If they didn't know what happened to me, did you know? You knew I was going to God, and I told you. So if they didn't know what happened to me, why can't you tell them that he is before the Lord? And we wait for him. Why can't you hold forth until I come back? Teaching them the status of God every day. He had become a Hollywood pastor. You know what he says here? So I told them, whoever has an, any gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw into fire, and out came. <laughs> Did you read the Bible? <laughs> oh, la la. He threw it in the fire, and the fire brought the calf. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. If anybody goes into rebellion, they always give some stupid excuses. Very, very foolish excuses. They be talking nonsense. The guy. He says, Moses saw that the people were groaning wild, and that Aaron had let them get out of control 
and so became a laughing stock to their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the cup to the camp and said, Who ever is for the Lord, or who is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the Levites, and this is where your definition begins. This is the origin of shepherding. Levites rallied to him. Then he said to them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Each man strap his sword on his side, go back and forth through the camp from one end to the other, at each killing his brother and friends and neighbor. The Levite did as Moses commanded, and that day about 3,000 people died. Then Moses said, You have been set apart. This is how pastoral duty began. To the Lord today, for you were against your own sons and brothers, and, uh, and he had blessed you this day. The next day Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin, but now I will go to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for you. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, Oh, oh, oh what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. But now, please forgive them. Forgive their sin. But if not, <laughs> then blot me out of the book you have written. Can you see? A shepherd must put his life down for his flock. Regardless of the misbehavior. He must die for them. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever sinned, has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. That is a dictum. God can blot the name of a man out. When you are born again, your name is written. There is a blotting in the hands of God. I can remove it too. This scripture. And it is confirmed in Revelation chapter 4, chapter 20, 21, 22. So he says, now go, lead the people to the place I spoke of. And my angel will go before you. However, when the time comes for me to punish, I will punish them for their sins. I forgive them, but I do not let the sinner go unpunished. Remember I told you, when God forgives, he will still punish the sin. That's why it's better not to go and be sinning against God. And the Lord struck the people with a plague. Because of what they did with the calf Aaron has made. Now, if you look at, this is what led Moses to go and build a tent. Um, it, it built, it, 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 Moses went and he built um, uh, a tent away from the camp. Where he goes as a tent of meeting. Because he can't he can't pray anymore among these useless people. And God has said he won't go with them. And he can't move without God. He doesn't want an angel. He wants God. So chapter 3 says that. And then the, the Moses went. And he built a tent. And he caused the tent of meeting. Alright. And there he, he wooed God. To go with him again. And if you read what followed thereafter. And God came down to him again. And he continued with him. I will be gathered now. 
I'm talking about this story tells you how you handle crisis in the household of God. Don't worry. We have moved into the second session and I will finish at the end of the second session. So that that is very, very good today. So we are finishing at 1.30. Yes. Now, let me now just read this to you. In the area of, uh, we have looked at, you know, crises that come by rebellion. And all these people got that messed up. They all died before getting to the promised land. None of them entered promised land. The people who entered promised land are the two, Caleb and, and Joshua. There is something I will be showing you tomorrow. When Moses handed power over. It's a great principle. And today the Lord called my attention to it. And he says to me that, look at the procedure of power handover. He says to me that in our own time, it's not just power handover because the pioneer is dying. Power handover because a pioneer lay hands on your head and anointed you. What takes place? God showed me. When God instructs your spiritual head to anoint you, and lay hands on you, what takes place? Is today, I noticed it was in my entire life. I read the Bible several times, I've never seen that. And so when I saw it, that the Lord was talking to me, I said, ah, thank you God that we are, we are just in line, we are right in tune. So problems of ministries, how to deal with them, write this down. Number one, people you recognize or respect, Okay, one of the problems in ministry, there are seven major areas of problems I identify. There are people who will recognize you as their spiritual head. It happens to every local pastor or pioneers. They will respect you so much, but they will disrespect your wife or your husband. Especially because we don't have many women who are the main ministers. It's not always... Because when you disrespect a man and his wife is a pastor that man will deal with you that is man the way God created us you cannot respect my wife and you disrespect me right there I will confront you but when pastors ministers are men and their wives are the mother of the house people disrespect their wife and they don't confront it women in their nature they will keep it they will keep it. And when it has, it's accumulated, they will burst one day. And everything will scatter. I would mean that. There is something we did in Ireland. A seminar we did in Ireland. I said that I will, allow, I will let them come and do that seminar here. Really, when they do it here, I will compel all CFT Global to play it. And if we have the video, really, from Ireland, we can just play it to all the churches, rather. People disrespect pioneers' wives. And their children. And it, it invokes on people who should be blessed. It's a very, very satanic thing. Because if a man 
works for your own good day and night and your heart begins to attack the seed disrespect the wife all right and uh, the children contend with them disrespect them and uh, you want the man when he blesses you you are blessed you have revoked that blessing you have revoked the blessing because the man in his own heart will be blessing you but he didn't know what you are doing in secret but the god who says the secret don't take it line at all but you see for ministers when you notice that i say this to ministers wives if anybody in this in the corner despise a minister's wife you should report it you report it and you must tell your children if anybody despises them they should tell you straight away one thing we notice about children is that they don't want to report people who are rude to them or who despise them because they don't want to you know they always feel that we don't want to influence our parents and they keep it but i've told my children the first day they came up with such i told them that in your life if anybody treats you less than what you are whoever the person may be in my organization don't confront it but tell them this is what you have done to me and i will tell that straight away so that they can't deny that they didn't do it and tell me and i will call them to order i will call them to order that is the remedy to it it is not to act against them but call them and tell them why do you do this this is the danger this is the consequence and i must not hear that again and that must come to an end it is satan who pushes members to do that so that all the blessings that have been spoken over their life with one act <laughs> he will raise it and they will be struggling they never succeed they will be struggling they never succeed the church must be taught this so that the church knows it it is totally unconscionable for me to love you and hate your seed if you are a person who blesses me if i pay you back with you know something contrary to your own seed it means that i will reap that in a hundredfold really if somebody is a helper of me what should i look for i should look for the way i can help their children or their spouse because i may not be able to help the one who's helping me all right so you have this problem in ministry the second major problem in ministry is the problem of people who oppose you all right the first one is the people who respect you but they don't disrespect your spouse and children and they do that in the corner people need to know the position of the children of the clergy is different from members second one is people who always oppose the pastor when you want to you you see yourself frustrated sometimes by the opposition how do you deal with it you deal with an opposition at the spot he opposed you don't leave it and go in this corner to call him if you say something and somebody opposes it you deal with him there before everybody where he said it and warn him and in your life you do this again you're out okay there is a way to advise 
It's different from opposition. I with me now. And as the principal, I told you the other time, the head of the house says that this is what we are going to do. This is what God is telling me. And someone says, no, 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 we can't do that. Tell him, don't speak until it is done. And you would never accept any counsel from that person. Okay? But you say, this is where we are going, and this is where we are going, and this is how I want us to achieve it. And someone says, sir, please, have we considered this, this, and this? What about if we also do this? Yes. And you tell him you run with that and get that happen. Because he's the one who has that knowledge. Because one man is not all-knowing. What a visioner can know is the vision. The route to achieve it, many people can know. I would get it now. So people who oppose you, instant before the opposition, you must rebuke them. Number three. Conflict. Women who go after the minister or get too close to the minister for an ulterior motive. For you male minister, your wife is your cover. No woman must be closer to you than your wife. Are you hearing me? If a woman comes for counseling with you, if your wife cannot be allowed to hear it, don't cancel that woman. Are you with me now? The same thing with women also. Women are not very vulnerable to be falling sexually. But men are. That's the way God created both. And a pastor's wife must make sure, number one, you satisfy the sexual urge of your husband. Number one, it is a righteous thing to do. It is a holy union. God created it. He loves it. He blesses it. He enjoys it when, you are, you, when, it, when that happens between husband and wife. Legitimately. Now, you must also protect your husband. Especially when you see women you women know yourselves more than men. Men are naive when it comes to women. Same thing that women are naive when it comes to men. Because when a boy is looking for something else, a girl will say that. But she's not looking for anything. She's just greeting me. She's just, I mean, he's just greeting me. And men are the ones who can say that. Uh, the greet has mission. So also women, when they see women who, they walk, 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 uh, haphazardly like, it's, like the zip of a trouser. They can tell that uh, this one is a zigzagged work. They have to be careful. Especially the eye sign and all the hand sign and the body sign, language. Men are naive, you know. And so when you see that some, some venom sign are trying to come to your husband, you go before between the two to be your bulletproof. So that they will not go and send you packing as a wife. And then we are interceding day and night. For a blind man. Yeah. Because they just blinded him. He doesn't know what he's doing anymore. 
A man who, have, who has spoken against it, he will now be the perpetrator. It's the power of spell. So women should be very protective. I don't mean that as to resent people, but observing and, you know, when a woman comes near your husband. And when you people serve your husband, don't go and sit down somewhere and say that uh, where ushers are serving. Look at mommy. Anybody who serves me, she will see it. What are you serving my husband? All right? She tells them what to do, what they don't do. Really, if anybody comes to me to offer me something, a woman, I will tell you, I will tell my wife, go to my wife. If my wife approves it, I eat it. If she doesn't approve it, don't bring it to me. It will be very rude for a woman to come directly to me to, to, to feed me when you go and ask my wife. Very, very rude. You can't call that love for me. You must go show the one who is the custodian of my life on earth. Yes. If I die, she's the one who will feel it much. Yes, now. And I may physically be alive, but I'm dead. And she's the one who will feel that even more. The, the woman that I've never fought with, if I get to her, I begin to slap her. Then, who is suffering? So she must look at any food I eat. And moreover, to no woman can ever come to pass after it that I want to serve you. Did you tell him you need service? Or tell her you need service? You mustn't do that. Women must be very, very careful. Women should use all the ability of motherhood, which is better than man. Motherhood they are the, is the most caring ability. Man can't care like that. The way God created women is like that. That's the advantage they have over men. And you, Pastor, too, if your wife is warning you against a woman, don't, don't fight her and be telling her, ah, what is wrong with her? <laughs> When your wife says that, be careful with that woman. Just say, Selah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Selah. Take a pause. Consider it. Because sometimes they pick things that we don't pick, and we never see it, and we can never see it. Four. People who become lukewarm in church after ordination. You know, let me tell you the, the, the way to resolve people like that. Begin to assign them job when you are there. Bro, you are going to open the prayer. You are among those who open prayer on this service. And you give them those and you sit down there and be watching them. You know, one thing that I've said for a while is that, which we did too, you know, now which we are going to be doing more here. Before my message, especially on Friday, and on Sunday, if I'm preaching, you will say, Brother, can you come and share with us for five minutes? And you prepare five minutes. You prepare five minutes. Just tell us something God you learned from God. These are the people that have not been seen. So if I tell you now to come and lead us, share with us, you must appear. Because I tell you that what you cannot do with them is to be angry with them. You can't be angry with them. You don't run church in anger and succeed. We have looked at the church of living God. And we all understand what that means. Okay? So it is by giving them duties. But when we say look one therefore, well, look one is somebody who is not uh, active as he used to be. One thing also that I will advise is that 
we need to, you know, interrogate people who we say that they have been acting before, they have been coming from, we don't see them regularly. Because some of them pick up jobs that are not good. So we have to know whether it is a particular job they are picked up. Why did you do that? What is the problem that you are having to take this kind of job? And then we can encourage them that, look, this should be temporary because it's taking your fellowship time with God. Why we support them, pray for them, and also helping them looking out for a better job. Some of them may go to school. You know, it will be strange that a, a leader in your church got an admission and he didn't tell you. You know, it's very strange. I have asked from a leader before that. I didn't see you. He said, Apostle, I also gone back to school. I said, what did you tell me? I, he said, I've also gone back to you. went back to school. I'm sorry for you. When I was going to go to school, did you not hear it from the pulpit? I told the whole church, Apostle wants to go to school. Apostle wants to go to school. When I got admission, Apostle got admission. Apostle got admission. When I would go to school, my school is Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Everybody knows it. What are you doing? You rob yourself. Because when I will pray for you, I don't know that you need brain. I won't pray for that. I've been going to struggle in school, say you are in school. Is it a secret thing to go to school? Do you want, who do you want to surprise by saying you went to school? If any leader wants to do anything, either change job that will affect your church thing, that leader must tell the leader who put him there. It will be your resident pastor. Because he will only help you because he knows how to pray for you. Even an advice, even just a spoken word, it can ease the whole of your life that what you want to do. And they will not be assuming that you are lazy because he didn't see you. They will say, oh, he's in school. People will ask, oh, we didn't see this uh, pastor, we didn't see this elder. Thinking, oh, he has started school. He's doing economics. And when you go to school, you better tell people what you are doing because if you don't tell them, People who have done it more than you, they are in the church who will have helped you. When I had assignments in church, I told in school, I told the whole church that, hey, everybody, we have assignments. <laughs> if you have any information in this area, please send it to my email. And that night, people sent about two, three leaflets, three um, um, uh, yeah, abstracts and stuff. And I got A. How? My member gave me Kronje. I wrote it Kronje. And I got A. Either you, you put the breast on the mouth of the baby or you put the mouth of the baby on the breast. As long as the baby is fed, I will get it now. So lukewarmness, we must investigate what we tend to be lukewarmness. It may be non-availability, which may be circumstantial. And we have to check that and just work in cooperation together. Okay, I have just two minutes now. I have two more. Number five. Male pastors counseling female. And I've told you that the protection of that is to make sure that you are very careful. When you are counseling a woman, the woman must not sit beside you. It is always good for the woman to sit perpendicular. That's saying that you are sitting this way, she sits on your right or on your left. Okay? Not opposite you. But if you have a chair, a table that is quite distance enough, away from the range of touch, she can sit opposite you. If you look at my office in New Cross, 
The way I did it, I sit at the head of the chair and I have chairs there and chairs there. When people come to me for concert, they sit down here or sit down here. You don't sit opposite me. I will together now. These are practical things that you need to do. It's good to follow. It's good for psychology. Apart from spiritual. I know that there are this area of counseling, you just have to be extremely careful. Now, number six. And let me just uh, say this again. I think when I said that a woman, a pastor counseling a woman, man pastor, should invite his wife, is a qualified statement. Because there are some of us that our wives, their mouth is loose. And in a situation whereby a person is causing confidential matter, you don't let your wife be there. You handle that. If it is confidential, because when people want to see, you must ask them, what is it about? If it's about marriage, your wife can be there. But if it is a confidential personal issue, let somebody wants to come and confess to you, a woman committed adultery, she wants to confess. Your wife must never hear it. And you go to grave with that confession. If you utter your mouth or tell anybody you are a dead man, because it's the life of that person. I would mean that. Do you know, a person who fell into adultery is not leprous. Don't treat him like a leper. Or her. He has lost his dignity already. He has remorse already. Why should we inflict more, more punishment? The Bible says you should cover the nakedness of one another. So when a woman goes to my wife to tell my wife, or a man, Anything, she never tells me what to tell her. If a woman comes to me and tells me anything, or a man, I never tell my wife. I cannot ask my wife to pray with me over somebody's problem. For what? What is wrong with my own mouth? When the Bible tells me that I need someone to join me to pray when it comes to authority, no. A pastor must not do that. Because of the duty of confidentiality, which is a fiduciary duty. We are looking at ministers' ethics and duties tomorrow. I would get it now. So, six, a minister or a member who commits adultery. I've just dealt with that now. None of you should suspend people on the pulpit in your altar because they committed adultery or any sexual morality. For matters like that, it must come to the headquarters to be dealt with. So that you don't take action that will cost your congregation. I would get that. Yes. Finally, a minister or member found to be a gay polygamist or living in sexual sin. You found a member came to confess to you that he's a gay or polygamist. Or that he, he just loves sleeping with girls. Or he just, he just loves sleeping with men. You remember in the church are vessels that are noble and ignoble. And what is he by ignoble? Cleanse him. Matters like that, when they tell you in law, you must keep it. You can't discuss it with the presbytery. You can't discuss it with anybody. Alright? You have to now take that person through counseling. And why you give the person strict rules? 
operate and monitor that person's move within the church. That is physically, not spiritually now. There is a lady who came to CFT many years ago. And that lady, I just saw that the way she reacts to women is suspicious to me. So I called my wife to and she investigated and she found out that she was a lesbian. But she's married. So, in this case, because she's married, we have to call the attention of the husband. And ask him, something is wrong with your wife. You know about it. Oh, he said, yes, I know. She didn't keep it from me. She also had a relationship with women. So, and I said, okay, we'll help you. So we sat her down, then we addressed it. And then showed her scriptures. But unfortunately for that very one, she was not looking to be free. So shortly after, she just took the husband and left. I would get that. But if the, the, she's going to be involved in a circle of women, in service that could cause intimacy, then you have to now address it with all of them. Are we together? But tomorrow I will help you to understand the margin between confidentiality and the role and duty so that you can still do your duty within, confidential duty within the rules of engagement and you can still, you know, expose some issues for the safety of others. Because as you have the duty of confidentiality, you have also the duty of care and safety. So, and both of them do not conflict. Really, care and safety supersedes confidentiality when it comes into a situation whereby it can be injurious to other people. Shall we just pray? Father, we thank you for this hour, and we bless your name for the strength you have given us for this season. What you have taught us enable us, O God, to operate in them. You have said so many things, but beyond what we have seen, give us insight. In Jesus' holy and anointed name we are praying. Amen and amen. We are going to just have a break now. I think this is a long break, isn't it? And uh, if you don't have the, um, uh, the timetable, please make sure you get it. This bread 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 it. 